from the Diocese of Gallup, welcome to Crozier Cast. I'm Suzanne Hammonds, Director of Communications, and as always, with me is your host, Bishop James Wall. Bishop Wall, how are you today? I'm doing great, Suzanne. How are you doing? Excellent. Good, good. So, this is our first podcast of the new year, um, where we've kind of sat down and recorded live, and we have some cool events coming up. Specifically, this is, January is often the month um, that many Catholics and uh, Christians know as sort of a pro-life month. So we have the National March for Life every every January, and then many states have their own marches for life. And so today, later today, you are leaving to go. Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? So get ready to go to Santa Fe. And um, once a year, we have um, a meeting with the legislators for uh, New Mexico. We have that at the, as they're called, the Roundhouse at the state capitol in Santa Fe. And the night before, which is tonight, I always uh, like to celebrate Mass with the youth that come to the March for Life. They do kind of activities. I think they do lock-ins, all kinds of uh, fun stuff that they do. Um, but just to help to spread the message of uh, the pro-life message, uh, to advance the culture of life and, or the gospel of life. And um, so I'll have Mass tonight for them at 8.10 p.m. at St. Anne's Church. And then tomorrow morning, we host a breakfast, and the breakfast is for uh, the legislators. And it's just kicking off the session, so we like to you know, give them a good meal at Our Lady of Guadalupe in Santa Fe. Uh, we like to talk to them, um, but more importantly, we like to pray with them and ensure them of our prayers. And then we, we kind of visit the, uh, the House and the Senate, and then we make our way over to the Cathedral of St. Francis, and we have a, a Mass and the Mass is for pro-life, specifically for pro-life. This year I'll be preaching the homily. And I'm going to lean head heavily, as I generally do, on uh, Humanae Vitae, which is, uh, I think, the groundbreaking encyclical by uh, Blessed Pope, Pius, uh, Pope Paul VI on the gift and transmission of human life. And this is the 50th anniversary, so I like to, to lean heavy on, heavily on that. It's my favorite encyclical. And then we have a, a, a pro-life march. We usually pray the rosary. Uh, we join up with our, our uh, Christian brothers and sisters, evangelicals, uh, different Protestant denominations, and we'll meet at the, the roundhouse. And we have a bit of a rally. And then what we do is we encourage the people who are there to talk to those who represent us and, and let them know that we, we, we're pro-life yeah. and we all should be pro-life. So kind of exciting exciting week a lot going on locally yeah well and nationally too you mentioned other christian groups um and i think when people think of a stereotypical you know pro-life person they think of some evangelical christian but i remember the one year i went to the national march for life they, there was even a whole group of orthodox jews there and are. there were some imams from mosques i mean it was really really neat to see people from all religions there were there were even um you know atheists for life and people like this it's it's really it's it's not just i think people confuse it as being it's oh it's a religious issue well, it's not. It's a, it's a human issue, and I think that's it's why we see... a moral issue. Yeah. And it's become a political issue, yeah. but it's a moral issue. And, and uh, really, kind of we, we look at it from natural law, and we can easily see that life begins at the moment of conception. And just as you know, we've been afforded all sorts of liberties that are given to us, ultimately given to us by God, um, every life should be afforded those, limited, those liberties. Rather, if, if, even if they're, they're born or unborn, uh, if they have disabilities or no, no disabilities, whatever the case might be, um, everybody, every human life should be afforded the, 
you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is God, mm-hmm. God given to us. Um, yeah, we're we're approaching, and we call it an anniversary, but it, it's really sad to, to even call it an anniversary. Um, but we're we're approaching what the fifty fifth. Um, am I doing my rap? My forty fifth, forty fifth anniversary of uh, of uh, Roe versus Wade, uh, Supreme Court decision. January 22nd, 1973, that ultimately gave the permission and made it legal uh, to, uh, to have an abortion, yeah. which is really, really sad. Um, you know, many of us, you mentioned many of our, our uh, Christian brothers and sisters, as well as, you said, Orthodox Jews for life and, and uh, uh, Muslims for life and even atheists for life. Yeah. You know, many times kind of the national narrative is we're, we're um, portrayed as kind of these uh, religious zealots and fanatics, right? We're, we're portrayed that well, and that's the national narrative. But we know that there, there's a lot of money behind that, and there's a lot of things that are pushing that, and ultimately we know who's behind that, the evil one's behind that, because if God's for life, then he wants the complete opposite. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, I was just thinking, you mentioned with disabilities, um, and it's kind of a poor metaphor, because I'm not trying to draw a comparison between these two groups in everything, but I remember a few years ago there was the headline that um, you know ISIS in the Middle East was specifically targeting children with Down syndrome that they would just execute them and everyone was decrying that as oh how terrible you know this is another sign of that ISIS is awful. Well, then just a month or two ago we got the headline that I think in uh, Iceland or one of the Nordic countries it's something like only two out of every hundred children diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb are born. Almost yeah, it was all Iceland. Reported. Yeah, it was Iceland. They were they were eradicating. Yeah, and not that, Down you know, syndrome. Yeah, not that the people of Iceland and everything are like, but I mean, it's just the one. It, it's funny how in one group it's it's decried as evil, then the other it's almost celebrated. Yeah, you know, and they're 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 eradicating. Well, the only way they can eradicate it is by killing the child mm-hmm. in the womb that has Down syndrome, and and um, you know, I know I know a lot of people that have Down syndrome, and they're awesome. And uh, one of the things that I think they teach us is they really kind of teach us a, a great sense of joy and a great sense of love. Yeah. And those seem to be two things that are just, you know, um, that are not present or present enough within our society. Yeah. And um, there's, a, there's a great series. I'm going to shameless give a, a, a promotion for a friend of mine. Her name is Sherry Boas, B-O-A-S. And she's written a phenomenal series, uh, the Lily series. I started one book, she turned it into a trilogy, and as she said, she missed Lily, and so then she, she uh, wrote three more. It's a series. And the series deals, the central figure is this person named Lily, who is Down syndrome. And, and people's interaction with Lily, even during her life and after her life, what they move her, they move them to, she moves them to, is this movement from... Uh, uh, selfishness to unselfless love, mm-hmm. which I think is beautiful. And I think that's one of the peop- things that people with disabilities, they're, they're a gift to us because they help us, they help to move our hearts toward love. One of my best friends in high school, um, her older sister has Down syndrome. And I'm not going to lie, I mean, I, I definitely saw growing up, it was in many ways a struggle for their family. And there, there was, I mean, it is, it is sort of a, a burden that you accept when you accept someone like that into your life. But there was so much joy um, she went to high school with us, and you know, a lot of people know, I'm sure, remember that high school can be cruel and, and hard with different peer pressures and things like that. But uh, she was voted, the, the girl with Down syndrome was voted most popular in the yearbook. 
I mean, everybody, say what you will, I mean, everybody loved her. They came sure. together, you know, it was amazing. She got her own photo shoot in the yearbook. Um, I mean, it, it was the one thing that sort of everybody in the school realized was that this girl was special, you know. And, yeah. you know, not, not that that makes her like an angel or something, but she, that there was something that was joyful about her that you, sure. wanted to, you were drawn to, you know. Sure, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So it's, it's sad to see when, you know, people in other countries seek to eradicate that. But I think, I think it's hopeful because I remember um, uh, some talk, uh, my mom is involved in a lot of doctors pro-life groups, and they had a lady from England and as hard as it is that we have abort- legalized abortion in this country, at least there's a fight against it. In many countries now, it's just sort of accepted. I it's a it's, given. It's probably, it's, it might never be overturned um, with the way things are. But at least here in America, we have people that are speaking out. Sure, sure. And you have countries that are, they're, I think, are very strong pro-life, like a country like Poland, which is very strong, so predominantly Catholic. And then you see pressure from other country, uh, countries to... Uh, to drop that, to or drop, Ireland. yeah, Ireland, uh, Ireland's a sad one, yeah, very, very sad, yeah, I, I, I have a, a history of working with, a, I think, a great pro-life ministry, and it has to deal with God's mercy and his healing, and that's uh, Rachel's Vineyard, and Rachel's Vineyard is a three-day retreat, um, uh, kind of based on the Paschal mystery, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ, and what it is, it allows uh, people through reflection upon the scriptures, kind of an Ignatian reflection, placing yourself in the, in the place of the, the scriptures, it allows them to open themselves up uh, to experience healing and allows them to uh, kind of start all over again. And, um, you know, what happens when a, a woman has an abortion is people say, well, it's just simply a procedure, you know, like going into the doctor and you know, getting stitches or, or something like that, or, you know, having your, your gallbladder out or, or, you know, whatever, knee surgery. And it's not at all. And what it does is it leaves a, a really very, very deep wound. And um, what we're able to do is we're kind of, we're able to unmask that and um, we're able to open themselves up to something that they, a lot of times they don't feel they're worthy of, and that's God's mercy. But we know that our actions are finite and God's mercy is infinite. And so opening them up, and this is for women who've had an abortion, men who maybe have some way, you know, had a, a hand in an abortion or not at all. They might not have had a voice in it. Or family members. And um, it's powerful. And one of the neat things I've seen is the people who have gone through this, especially the women who have gone through this, become our greatest advocates. Yeah. So not only are they able to speak out for uh, pro-life and the gift of human life, but they're also able uh, to help women come out of that darkness that, that, that they might be in. So it's beautiful, absolutely well, beautiful. And even the woman, um, uh, I believe Roe is her last name, um, well, the, the lady who, had the, who was brought the original case to the Supreme Court um, and whose case legalized abortion now regrets it. And she's a firm uh, pro-life advocate. In fact, she's spoken at the March for Life. Um, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, we just celebrated his legacy this, this week. Um, his his niece, I believe, Coretta uh, Scott. I, I could be naming it wrong. I'll link, we'll link to it in the show notes. But she's she speaks at many March for Lives, um, and I think you can find many quotes by you know Dr. Martin Luther King on on uh, abortion and people like Gandhi and things like that too as well. I mean, it's this this idea that only these you know fanatics, like you said, or or people that have never experienced this in their lives would be 
for abortion is just, you know, patently false. Yeah, you know, the lady you're talking about would be the, uh, Norma uh, McCorvey, um, who, who sadly uh, died, passed mm-hmm. away a little over a year, almost a year ago. But uh, she was somebody who, who um, again, kind of unmasked the lie of an abortion. That simple little procedure, it doesn't affect you. It's, it's really not a life in the womb, all these different things. And, and she herself was able to understand um, that this is a life, uh, it was a life in her womb, yeah. and that she kind of believed the lies. I think she was kind of duped nationally. She was duped into it, and she was a pawn in this, yeah. this whole, whole game. And then she had a she had a great conversion of heart, which is beautiful. And she became a great advocate for life. Yeah. And Dorothy Day as well, didn't yeah. you know, she had an abortion? She did. And her cause is moving forward. Yeah. So I, maybe, hopefully, when she is declared a, a blessed and then a saint, that maybe um, she might be the, the patron of somebody who has who is experienced an abortion. And I kind of wanted to bring up this point, too. Um, Going back a little bit to the fact that this isn't solely a religious issue, um, I don't know how many people are familiar with uh, Christopher Hitchens, and he had a lot of he had many many faults. But Bishop Bishop Robert Barron has an excellent video on um, his books and things like that. And say what you will about him, but he apparently was uh, one of his children, or in in the womb was aborted, and he struggled with it. And he wrote this essay about how he can't bring himself. He never brought himself to saying abortion should be illegal, but at the same time, he he said he can't believe that the the child in the womb is only a part, is a, is a clump of cells. He said, we have to believe that this is a separate entity, a separate person yeah. with us, with the soul. And you could see that even someone like this, who was extremely, extremely outspoken atheist, struggled with this very issue, you know? And so when people say, this is just a cut and dry issue, it's not. You yeah, know? it's and a it's, moral it's issue. It's a great, yeah, it's a great, it's a great essay. You can see how it, maybe if he'd had a little longer to live, he eventually, his heart would have been fully converted, but he was struggling with it, which is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, think about it too. We, we, we just look at it from a from natural law, and we can say that, okay, we say that, uh, and I think, you know, we, we can be backed up by through natural law, through science, that, you know, human life begins at the moment of conception. And if you don't believe that, and you start saying, okay, well, when does it, when does it begin? And, and really, I think the answer always goes back to the moment of conception. Because if, if it's a life at you know, one week or one month or six months or nine months, then it always has to be a human life. Always it has to be a human life. And um, so we, we always go back to the moment of conception. And that's why we, we say that we want to make sure that we can afford protection for people in society. And this is, you know, people even the child in the womb, from conception until natural death. Yeah. And um, now nationally, you've, you've had much experience um, state-wise. And I actually, I actually had a question about that. You said that you, there's a, a breakfast for legislators. Do you often find that legislators from both sides of the aisle show up to this? They do. That's they good. do. So we get people I know who are, are very, very strong pro, uh, pro-life. And then we get people that aren't. And, we, and, and sadly, we even get... Speaking from a Catholic perspective, I, we even get people who are Catholic, practicing Catholics, who are um, who are uh, pro-choice, which is really sad, or pro-abortion, and um, and so, you know, I pray for them especially. I pray that their hearts might be converted from away from the culture of death to the gospel of life. Yeah. And so now moving nationally, have you been to the National March for Life? You know, I never have. I've always wanted to go 
to the East Coast, but actually even more so, I've always wanted to go to the West Coast, <laughs> March for Life, because here we are in the West, yeah. and have never had the opportunity. So we, I get to go to our local one here in our state, and uh, when I was a priest of Phoenix, we used to go for, uh, for, for, uh, for that. And then, you know, one of the things that we do here is, along with uh, the Diocese of Pueblo and Lifeguard, every year in the fall, we have our Southwest Catholic Youth Conference, and central to that is a promotion of the gospel of life. That's, that's why that Lifeguard is, a, is a, a great organization that helps to, um, to teach about the sanctity of life and provide opportunities for, for women to bring their child to, to birth um, in the Four Corners. Yeah. And so we're able to do that every year, which is kind of cool because we, what we're doing is kind of raising up these soldiers for the, the culture of life every year, these, these uh, great young people. And we, I always tell them, I go, You're, you are the generation that's going to put an end to abortion. Yeah. And they get excited about that. <laughs> and they believe it. I believe it too. Yeah. Um, I had something in my head I was going to ask. but uh, Must have been a lie. Yeah, I must have. Um, what has been for you the most rewarding? I mean, you, you, I think you talk about generations working with young people. What's personally, what's the most rewarding thing about uh, working with groups like Rachel's Vineyard and uh, doing the mass for young people and and leading these kinds of things? Um, I guess I would say to know that we're doing God's work. That would probably be the most rewarding thing, and and I that's always kind of central to my life, you know, am I doing the will of God? And I trust that I, I am doing the will of God working in the pro-life realm. Um, I wish I could be more effective, but unfortunately, um, we still have, uh, you know, abortion in our country here in our state. We're one of the few states that has late-term abortion. But I want to keep uh, keep working, yeah. keep working on that to be more effective in that. Um, so, you know, it all goes back to, to uh, knowing that um, I'm doing God's will. But if there's one ministry that I'm probably most proud of, right, we always boast in the Lord, it's Rachel's Vineyard. It's my, my interaction with Rachel's Vineyard. Uh, we brought it to the state of Arizona, and the team that I started with, we were the first team, it continues. And so sometimes I'm even able to send people there. Yeah. And I, I always hear positive experiences. And if there's anyone listening, or if, you, if there's anyone who knows somebody this might be useful for. We'll link to the contact info for that in the show notes in case you you are or you know someone who is hurting from abortion, whether you know you've had one or you know someone who's had one, um, because it affects many many people. Yeah, know? it does. Um, it does. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just the woman who has an abortion. You know, like I said, the, the father, family members, parents, grandparents. Sometimes a woman might be coerced to have an abortion by one or both parents. Yeah, and. Um, and, and to know that there's, there's people out there that will help you. Help you. There's a lot of um, pro-life agencies that if a woman feels like she has no place to go, um, that there are a lot of, uh, there are, there are a lot of uh, pro-life agencies that, that can help with that. That's probably the lie that drives me the cra- uh, craziest is when I hear over and over and over, oh, you know, pro-life people only care about the, the unborn, you know, the unborn baby. They don't care about the mother. As soon as it's born, they, they abandon it. It's just That's patently false. You could find... Any church, any church, not just Catholic churches, but Christian churches, uh, you know, so, so many organizations are dedicated to helping women find the help they need, whether it's giving them diapers, counseling, health care, all kinds of things. They will help you. And yeah, they have they obviously have a pro-life slant. They're not going to recommend that you seek an abortion. But 
at the heart of it, they are dedicated to helping you find the care you need, you know, and I mean, we can just demonstrate that. It, it drives me crazy that so people wouldn't do a 10 second Google search. They just kind of swallow this this lie that pro-lifers only care about the, the yeah. as they call it, the fetus, you know? Yeah, I, I worked with a, a ministry down in Phoenix too. It's called Maggie's Place, which has gone throughout the country. And it was started by five uh, college graduates, these five women that, that felt that God was moving their hearts to do something and what it was was to provide uh, homes um, uh, and, and provide good like prenatal care and then uh, for the young children and helping mothers find jobs, things like that, but mostly for, for homeless people. And I think that's also a good contrast to uh, abortion centers or places. I mean, Planned Parenthood isn't the only one. It's often the main target, but there's many, many abortion service centers women's centers, and we should never ever react with anger or hate, I mean, well, hate towards them. Um, but I think those are good, instead of, instead of you know, um, reacting with hate or, or any kind of violence, which is never condoned, we should instead support good works and look towards uh, helping local ministries or people that we know. Definitely. Then, yeah. Well, as we move into the home stretch, um, and as you prepare to head out for the march, is there anything you'd like people to keep in mind? Uh, get involved. Get involved, and the greatest way we can be involved is uh, through prayer. You know, raising our hearts and our minds to our loving God, uh, who can who can uh, move people's hearts, and uh, maybe move them off that mark and move them uh, from the culture of death, and and to be, you know, you know, strong advocates for the gospel of life. That's those are terms from uh, the great Pope Saint John Paul II uh, talked about. We were in the culture of death, and what we have to be about really what everybody has to be about, because even from the natural law uh, point of view is, is the gospel of life. Excellent. We've been afforded that gift, yeah. and shouldn't everybody else be afforded that gift? Excellent. And if our, reader, if our listeners, as always, have any questions, comments, or concerns, we encourage them to reach out. You can find a link below to send your questions to us, to Bishop Wall. You can follow us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating. And as always, we will see you next time for another episode. Bishop Wall, thank you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.